Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series called Acts to the Ends of the Earth. Over the course of 10 weeks, we'll see how God worked through the apostles and the early church to spread the good news of Jesus coming to save both Jews and Gentiles. Acts shows us how as Christians, we need to be consumed with the love of Christ and seek to transform our community and the entire world by the gospel. So our scripture reading today is Acts chapter 2, 37 through 39. So I would uh, appreciate if you would open your Bibles and just give me a nod or something that you're, you found it already. Are we good? Okay, praise God. Okay, the reading starts with Peter's word convicted them deeply. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brother, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must turn from sin, turn from sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Amen. Amen. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Miss Emma. Oh, yes, ma'am. I'll take that for you. Um, so if you're here today, you are coming into the second week of a 10-week series. So I would encourage you to uh, go back, listen to last week's message to kind of help you keep up. On the back of your bulletin, did you get one? If you got one, go ahead and get it. Church participation here. Yep, if you look on the back, there is a reading plan, a reading guide. Um, If you don't have one, you can grab one in the back. I'm sure we have extras. Um, When We're going to walk through the whole book of Acts together. And what's important is for you to be able to fill in the blanks in between the weeks. If I went, because it's a story, because it's a narrative, um, I'm going to be covering big chunks at a time. And uh, so today, for instance, we're covering 11 or 12 verses in chapter 2. But let me get us caught up very quickly uh, as to where we were last week and where we're going. Why Acts? Why? So, I'm trying to, I'm going to try and put this as plainly as I can. We are here because of what happened on the cross Specifically, what happened right after the cross in the book of Acts. We are the church, okay? And the church is not just Transformation Church. The church is global. Uh, Oftentimes, you'll hear us call it the Big C Church. Because you, as Christians here in North Chesterfield, God's church on Ironbridge Road, are a part of a much bigger church that started right here. Now, this is exciting because whatever happened right here is the reason I get to stand here today. The reason you get to come here today is because something caught fire and spread 
to the ends of the earth, which is what um, we talked about last week. We talked about Acts uh, chapter 1, and I'll catch you up on the story here in a moment, but Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the theme for the whole book, the theme for the whole book. So this is the reason you should listen today, because there are people who are lost and dying. They're going to hell, and it is the mission of the church to bring glory to God and proclaim the gospel to every dark corner. Every dark corner. Not just my job as the pastor, your job as the church. Poke yourself in the chest. Go ahead. You can do it. You're the church. We're the church. In fact, we're not in competition with churches down the road. Now, some of you might have gotten that vibe over the years that churches don't like to do things together. Let me tell you, there's a church launching in Richmond next week. I just talked to their pastor um, this past week. His name's Pastor Matt. Pastor Matt um, is launching with his team River City Baptist Church downtown. Now, some folks would be like, oh, they're treading on your turf. They're not treading on my turf. The earth belongs to the Lord and everything therein. And so we are, I want us today to pray for River City Baptist Church. We should be fiercely for them launching the gospel into dark places in the city. They are part of the church. We're part of the church. We're all, as believers, a part of this family. So you know what this means, and I don't know why I'm going down this tangent, but I need you to know that if I go overseas to a church, an underground church in China, they are just as much the church as you are. And let me tell you something. There are churches underground in China that their lives are on the line for the gospel. We get to sit and eat chili today. It's not that way in the church across the globe. So I, I think it's important to know what Acts says about what the church should look like. And honestly, it, it's more than just pew sitting. It's more than just programs. It is the gospel going into every dark corner, declaring the glory of the Lord and his salvation for the lost. And you're a part of it. If you've come here today and you've thought, man, I wanna be a part of something bigger, you found it. This is it. Okay. So we were in Acts 1-8 last week, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling everyone about me. This is Jesus talking. So we're gonna, they're going to tell, they're going to be witnesses of Jesus. Where? In Jerusalem, Richmond, in Judea, Virginia, in Samaria, I don't know what... West Virginia, maybe. <laughs> I don't know what Samaria is, but maybe West Virginia. Anybody from West Virginia? I'm from West Virginia. I've got roots there. No one's, it just me and you, Harold. That's it. <laughs> wow. Represent. Okay. <laughs> and look, if you underline in your Bible, you can underline this, and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. So story-wise, Christ came, he died on the cross, he rose on the third day, 
He visits with the disciples, continuing to disciple them for about 40 days, here and there, 40 to 60 days. And then uh, last week in chapter one, what we saw him do was ascend. Do you know what ascend means? Ascend means he was here and then he, he went up. If there is like a heavenly Netflix channel when we get there, that I like, I want to be able to replay some of these scenes um, to watch him ascend. Um, now, some of us may be a part of the second half of that where he comes back and he comes down and he's going to, in what we learned in chapter one, is he's going to come back the way he went up, okay, in the same fashion. And so uh, he ascended. And what did he tell them? He said, look, I want you to wait and I want you to pray and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to empower you for the work ahead. And so that's exactly what they did. They went and they waited and prayed. And then that gets us right here. They voted in a new guy as an apostle. And then chapter two gets here. Now, We're not going to really cover the first 13 verses, so let me just give you a paraphrase here. They're up and they're praying in what they call the upper room, and uh, there's about 120 of them. So this is a big room, by the way. This is a huge room. Um, They're praying together, and the Bible says, again, if you want to replay something, this is one of those things I would want to replay. Uh, The Bible says in verse 2 of chapter 2, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability And then 5 through 13 basically gives this encounter. This is what we would call in the church Pentecost. We celebrate this time. In Jewish custom, culturally, there were people from all around. And this is what you read in 5 and below. Um, What is very clear from this text, I don't have time to preach a sermon on speaking in tongues. We're going to have a class later today if you want to learn. I'm just kidding. We're not going to teach how to speak in tongues today. Um, because you don't teach people to speak in tongues. Do you see it in the scripture as the spirit gave the utterance? Okay, I didn't go over like I thought it would. (laughs) What is very and abundantly clear from the scripture is this. Um, What they spoke was intelligible languages. It would be as if I, standing here, the Holy Spirit fell upon me and I just spoke fluent Mandarin to you. Um, I find it interesting that uh, sometimes we can make Christianity almost this American religion. Um, Like it's a Western thing. In fact, it isn't. It's a global thing. And and it started in the Middle East. So uh, here in this instance, they were praying, the Holy Spirit fell, tongues of fire, and they began to speak fluent languages. And so this is what it would have appeared. Um, People were in town for a festival. Anybody been to Mardi Gras? Anybody? You want to go? Okay. Anybody want to go to Mardi Gras? 
okay. <laughs> you, you got too many righteous people in here. Like, I'm not raising my hands. That's sinful. Okay. I see who I'm preaching to now. It's fine. We're going to get to you in a second. Um, it was a festival. And basically what it represented is it was a festival that represented the end of barley season. Um, they would come and celebrate the harvest before they planted the wheat. And so there were people in Jerusalem um, from all over the known world at the time, speaking all kinds of languages. So there was a ruckus that people heard. It drew them thousands and thousands. And how we know there were thousands and thousands is because 3,000 of them were saved that day. 3,000. So there were thousands and thousands of people filling the streets, drawn to this one place where they were sitting, and the power fell, and as people spoke in these different languages, the people who were in town visiting were like, I understand every word they're saying. And all, they were all in different languages saying the same thing. They were bringing glory to God. Um. Later this year, we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts, but at the end of the day, gifts that the Lord gives us are designed for one purpose, to bring glory to God and edification to his church. Um, and so that's what we see here. In fact, it was so rowdy that some people were like, hey, what's going on here? But other people were like, don't worry, they're drunk. That's all that is. Um, and that's when we get to the very first Christian sermon, and I'm going to cover it very quickly here. Um, what they were speaking was intelligible languages. It wasn't prayer languages uh, or your prayer closet type language or groanings. Those are other scriptures that you have to wrestle with on their own. This was distinct to Pentecost here. And... Um, I think the very first thing we need to address is the fact that people thought they were drunk. Peter actually addresses it first. Uh, look at verse 14. Um, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowds, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. So it's 9 a.m., and Peter could have said all types of other really cool religious things, but he said, it's too early to be drunk. Um, and then he ties this to Scripture. He says in verse 16, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. So I don't know if you've ever been to a festival or a party of any sort celebrating something, um, but these people weren't in town to get a sermon. These people were not in town to get a sermon. Um, and I also want to look at Peter for a second. You realize 60 days prior to this, when Jesus was getting, about to get crucified, Peter was the dude that lied about knowing Jesus? Two months. Two months. If you've come in today and you thought, you know, just two months ago, my life was a wreck. Two months is no amount of time for the gospel to work. The gospel works in a second and in a moment. 
And Peter, who just denied Jesus two months ago and ran from knowing him at the cross, is now stepping forward under the power of the Holy Spirit and proclaiming to thousands, not only that he knows Jesus, but he is tied to him. Um, His demeanor has changed. If you go back to chapter one, verse eight, this is what he's talking about. I will send, uh, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Peter is operating under that power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, Change in posture. And so he begins to preach what is um, the very first Christian message. And what I want to talk about is the characteristics of this message. We still preach this same message today. The message has not changed. It may look a little different. It may change shape and form, but the content is still the same. The gospel is still the same. Um, I'm not wearing um, maybe the clothes they would wear back then or speak in the language that they were speaking in. I don't, I've never been to this area, but the gospel that we proclaim in this church week in and week out is the same as what Peter proclaimed here. And here's the very first thing I want us to notice. Um, Peter steps forward to this group of people who have not come in town to hear a sermon. They've come for a festival. And what I realized is that the very first thing that God, the good news of Jesus Christ does is it finds us right where we are. Right where we are. Notice he didn't preach this sermon in the synagogue. He wasn't like, hey, it's 9 a.m., let's head over to the synagogue so I can proclaim the gospel. No, under the power of the Holy Spirit, he stepped forward right where he was and declared the gospel to people who did not come to hear it. It finds us where we are. Um, And I think this is important because some of us think that preaching or proclaiming the gospel has to happen here. The gospel can happen anywhere. God will find us right where we are. It doesn't happen. You don't have to be sitting in a pew to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be in the parking lot or even within a certain distance of this building. It doesn't have to happen in Sunday school. It could happen in the Wawa parking lot. And not just because Wawa's across the street. It could happen in your home. It could happen knocking on a hotel room door on Jeff Davis Highway. It could happen at your job. In fact, the gospel can be proclaimed at DMV. And I know you would think, Carl, that's not possible. And I would almost agree with you. But what I'm telling you today is that the gospel finds us right where we are. Peter would, had no... Um, reservations under the power of the Holy Spirit to say, hey, I need to get these people to a certain place um, at a certain time. No. He proclaimed it right where he was. And I think this is something that we need to take um, 
I think we need to take note of. When was the last time you shared the gospel wherever you were? Um, so I've grown up in church. Some of you will share the same testimony. I've grown up in church. And the, I grew up, uh, you know, almost pulling from my parents' faith. Um, then my parents got divorced, and then that was a little complicated. I was like, oh, what kind of faith, you know, ends here? You know, me and God kind of had a crisis there for a moment. Um, but there was a moment so I, I heard all about the gospel in the pews, crawling under the pews, in my cub cadet class growing up, growing up in church. And, the, and, and God had to find me in the church. Okay, so I'm, I'm just gonna put it out there. I've heard testimony after testimony of people who will sit in these pews every single Sunday and never know Jesus. They can tell me about him. But, they, but it has never become personal, okay? So I'm gonna give all of you an out real quick. I'm gonna give all of you an out. If you've grown up in church, it doesn't mean you're saved. If you've never been raised in church, you can be saved, there isn't a prerequisite that you have to grow up within the walls or that your parents have to be Christian or your grandparents have to be Christian. It finds us where we are. You don't need to clean up. Well, there was a point when I was in college. Now, let, let me be very clear. This whole time, I am serving in ministry. I feel the call of ministry. Um, but there was a moment that it went from being my mom and dad's faith. It went from being my church's faith to being my faith. And he had to find me in church. Think about that for two seconds. And this is, the, he found me. Right where I was and all of my uh, parading around and putting up the facade and doing all the Christian duties, but never actually making him Lord of my life. He found me amidst all of that, tore down every barrier in my life. And I began declaring him as Lord of my life. It became personal to me. Here's the out. You today, if you've been going here for um, 40 years five years, 10 years, and, and some of you are so prideful, and this is what pr the sin of pride will do. You'll just say, hey, um, and here he's talking to devout Jews. These are religious people. And he drew out from among them those who would say, yes, if you've been attending church your whole life, you still may need to select him as Lord of your life. You still may need to accept him. Um, so what, what am I saying? I'm saying that you can have the testimony. I went to church for 50 years and I just gave my life to the Lord. And that's okay. That's okay. There's no shame in that. Can I tell you there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, so he finds us. 
and you don't have to clean up. So some of us think we need to move from here to here or move, uh, but Romans 5a would tell us that he died for us while we were yet sinners. We talked about this in our huddle this morning. Um, he doesn't need you to move from here to here or, or get your life in a certain shape and order because otherwise that's, that, that's a different process. He, the gospel, the good news, salvation reaches right where you are today. Whether you're online, watching from home, you're in the house today, you've been going here for 30 years, or this is your very first time, he will meet you where you are. Let's look at 23 and 26. So the first thing the gospel does is it finds us, okay? It finds us. Number two, it fully knows us. Everybody say, fully knows. You know what I mean by that? The gospel tells us the truth about who we are. Look at 23. So he's preaching this message. Um, he ties it to scripture. Let me, let me, a, a good sermon is going to come from scripture. This is exactly what Peter's doing. He goes, he said, here, let me explain what happened. This is why the spirit's moving this way. Look back at Joel. This was prophesied. He rooted his message in the scripture and look at a couple things here. Look at 22. He, he quotes Joel. Um, and at the end of, 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 in 21, he says, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He's already saying, hey, listen, if you call on the Lord today, you're gonna be saved. Um, 22, after he, he reads his scripture, he says, people of Israel. These are God's people. People of Israel, Listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazareth. Isn't it interesting he called him Jesus of Nazareth? Am I, the, I, I find this interesting. You know why? Because Jesus refers to himself as son of man. Jesus of Nazareth, I, I hadn't seen in scripture prior to this. You know what I realized? Post the cross, when people thought and heard about Jesus of Nazareth, that was the plaque they put right above Jesus' head. He took their minds right to the cross and he said, Jesus of Nazareth, God publicly endorsed him. Look at 23. But God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles. Hey, watch this. You nailed him to a cross and killed him. Look at, okay, if somebody says something twice in a message, it's probably something you should pay attention to. Look at 36, flip to 36. It says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. He, this was wild to say, especially to a bunch of people. Some may have been in Jerusalem at the time. Some may have not. Think about the thousands of people he's preaching to. How does he know? Is he saying that they were there and they were the ones that hung him? What is he saying? He is obviously assigning guilt to them. You crucified him. You nailed him to a cross. And I don't have time to go into this but just a little note here, there's a word in here called, um, in, in 23 it says, but God knew, 
what would happen. Watch. And his prearranged plan was carried out. Jesus Christ, uh, pay attention. Jesus Christ was not a backup plan. This wasn't a Hail Mary. This was the plan. Christ came to die for you. And what Peter is declaring, and this is what the gospel does. The gospel will tell us the truth about who we are. Because because God knows us. You may have come in today thinking that you have hidden some things from the Lord. Um, That if you just put on the good show when you get here, it's somehow he'll miss it. God fully knows us. Thousands were there. Very bold statement. Assigning responsibility for Christ on the cross to those listening. And so it begs this question. Are you guilty? Hey, don't tune out the message right now. I know you're thinking about chili. I smell it too. Listen. We are just as guilty for the nails, for his death, as anyone that was present today. Where do you get that, Carl? We have this little thing we do called the Romans Road. Have you ever heard of the Romans Road? Oh, yeah. Let me read you a couple of them. Look, uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's not how I learned it growing up. It's hard to read it that way. Because what, what I, I, I memorized it growing up is, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, this, so if, if, you, if we want to get technical and look at the Greek here, that word all means all. You're now a scholar. All, everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you've thought today that you needed to come here and clean up your act before you say, I don't want to make Lord Jesus the Lord of my life, yet I've got some things to get in order. He already knows. He already knows. You have nothing to get straight. He is the one who straightens it out. I can assure you, you will not straighten. I, I got I to stick to my notes. You will not straighten it out aside from Christ. All of your efforts will be in vain. If you feel this morning like you're spinning your wheels, it's because you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. That's why there's no traction. You can't fix you. You can't fix you. Okay, I got to move. Then look at 24. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Look at 25. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Jesus paid the price 
Romans 5, 8, we already talked about. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let, let me put it this way. Matt, you are never more free than when you have no secrets. I could tell you all kinds of stories about Macy. Tell you all kinds. We've had her for seven years. And as soon as that mouth started working, boy, it has not stopped. Our two-year-old is already, she's not even uttering intelligible language. Half the time, I think she's speaking in tongues. And uh, uh, she's already, so sometimes when Macy goes to parents, some, another friend's house, I don't know if any parents in the room have ever sent your kid to somebody else's house. And you're like, we need to have a conversation. Before you go to this person's house, you don't need to be talking about this. And maybe you've been the one receiving this conversation. But we have to have this conversation with Macy where we're like, this is not other people's business. Because Macy will just go blab it to everybody. She'll just be like, oh, you know, let everybody know. Um, and so I don't know if you've ever had this feeling, but have you ever had this feeling like, um, you had a friend come up to you and say, hey, I met so-and-so that knows you. And there was an instant inside of you that was like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, I said the C word, sorry. Some of you are unfriendly to that. Some of you talk worse than that outside of here, so I don't want to hear it. I've seen your posts, okay? I've seen what you shared, Okay. You know that instant you're like, oh, I'm going to be found out? You know that awkward nervousness? Imagine a life where there is none of that. Oh, hey, this is what the cross does. This is what Christ did for us. There is no one that has anything on me. There, that is a freedom. We say this all the time. There is something special about being fully known and fully loved at the same time. Christ knows you. He knows how he wired you in every dark corner. He knows you. He knows your guilt. He knows your sin. He's aware of it. Look at Romans 3. He knows. Take a deep breath today. Because when you surrender your life to Christ, all of a sudden, you are free from condemnation. No more hiding. No more secrets. So what? Someone knows something about you. What do they have on you that Christ hasn't forgiven you for? Mm. That's the life that you're yearning for. That's what you're looking for. That, that, that kind of life where you can walk in freedom because of the cross of Christ. Stop hiding. Stop hiding. Hey, come out from the shadows, okay? Christ is loving and he cares. And in, in, in uh, Romans 3 here, he says it. For God presented Jesus Christ, um, actually verse 24, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. Not because of anything good that you have done, it's called imputed righteousness. Christ on the cross, he did everything right. 
It is his righteousness that he gives to you. So that's why I cling to him. So the gospel finds us. It fully knows us. Let me, before I move on, can I just tell you this is, this is good news that he knows you? Because you know you. I don't know if you've ever felt this weight before, but people that, you know, they may not see all the, the dark corners of the, <laughs> the nasty family drama or all the weird stuff going on in your heart, but you know it. And you're trying with all your might to hide it. Because you don't want to be embarrassed, right? You don't. There is freedom from that in Jesus Christ. I'm so glad I serve a God that sees me and knows me and loved me anyway. He died for me there at that place. He died for you at that place. And it was my guilt that hung him there. It was your guilt that hung him there. And he showed us undeserved kindness. So, and I'm gonna close. The band can come back. Because I hear some of your stomachs growling. I can hear it up here. It's vocal. It finds us. It fully knows us. And then it fully paid the price. Full. Paid in full. Isn't that the coolest thing? We paid off my student loans last year. I got my student loan notice in. Paid in full. Zero dollars. That is good news. I had me a little Holy Ghost empowered fit when it came in the mail. <laughs> Let's look at 29 through 32 real quick of Acts, 29 through 32. <clears throat> so he quotes Psalm 16, okay? Quotes Psalm 16 there. And then he says in 29, dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future, speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised him from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Christ's victory over death. This is what this is pointing to. Christ's victory over death is now our victory over death. The fact that his body was not corrupted is now uh, 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 imputed to us. This, this, this picture that now because of Christ, because of this price that he paid, he paid it. Everybody say pay. 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 And some of your verses, it'll say his victory over Hades. It's, it's pointing to now our victory. His, uh, his body, there was no corruption in Christ. If you go to uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, one of my favorite verses says, For God who made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God. This is this picture we just talked about earlier of imputed righteousness. He said, look, David wasn't talking about David in Psalms. He was talking because we know David's body is still there. 
Jesus conquered death. And that is imputed to us. I'm moving a little faster here, but he, he finds us, he fully knows us. He fully pays the price. Now, at this moment, it demands a response. Look at uh, Acts chapter 2. If you go down, let's start at 36. This is the one where he said, whom you crucified. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Look at this very next words. Look, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? The gospel demands a response. And listen, you are always responding to the gospel. You are always responding to the gospel. Um, the Puritans would say it this way. If you've read any of the Puritans' work, one thing they said is that the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. You know what my biggest fear is? Is that you come here week in and week out. You hear the gospel proclaimed and you regularly turn it down. You regularly turn away from it and it is actively working towards hardening your heart to the things of God. But that's not what happened here. Their hearts were pierced. It wasn't their intellect. You know, there are a lot of folks that talk about, you know, that, that feel like there shouldn't be a whole lot of emotion involved in church. But can I tell you, that's not what the scripture points to. In fact, it says these men, these people looked at Peter, they heard his words, and it pierced their hearts. And they said, what should we do? And here's what I'm telling you today. Two things. One, salvation in the gospel is not just to save you. I need it every day. Every Sunday you hear the gospel, it should be encouraging your hearts. And you should all over anew be saying, he found me. He knows me. He forgave me. He paid the price. And it should inform how we live. Every week. Every day. It's not a one-time event. It's a lifetime event. He is saving us. So what should we do? And this is what Peter said. So here's what you should do. You've been presented the gospel today. And this is what... Peter said you should do each of you each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit this promise is to you and your children and even to Gentiles this is for everyone all who have been called by the Lord our God. Today, you can make a decision to repent. Repent just means you're not just turning away from saying your sin, you're turning toward God. 
That's repentance. It's a turning. Today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make that turn. And I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how smart you think you are, how dumb you think you are, if you think that this is just above me or below me. The ground is level at the cross. When it said all have sinned, all of us have sinned, all of us are guilty. And what he is presenting to you today is an opportunity to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. cover more of this next week. Some of the um, some of the byproduct of this you can see in 42 uh, through 47 it says that they devoted themselves. You see a more devoted people. This turn you're going to make is going to help you to be more devoted to the process. And then in 46 it actually says uh, they shared meals, they shared all things in common with great joy and generosity. And can I tell you today, joy is what I need in my life. And it comes from Jesus Christ. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to make a call this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. And this this is you too online. This is not just those in the house. I want you all to take a breath. And I want you to think about the word of God that was just proclaimed to you. That he has found you. That he knows you. You don't have to hide from him. That he has provided a way of salvation for you. And the response. If you feel that piercing heart, if you, if you feel your heart has been pierced today, whether you're online, if you're online today and you feel that piercing, you say, Pastor, I, I, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what my next step is, but this morning, I know that I need to take one. I need to take a step. I feel my heart pierced by the word of God, and today is the day. I want you to go to tchurch.info and fill out a connect card, but if you are in this room, And you would say, I'm not going to make you come forward or do anything weird. We're not going to speak in tongues and throw things at you. What I want you to do today, if that is your heart, then you would say, Carl, I've been going to church my whole life. And this has pierced my heart. I want to make him the Lord of my life. Or if you said, I've been running for a long time and I want to run to the cross today. If that is you, I just want you to slip your hand up. I just want you to slip your hand up. Amen. I see your hand. Don't be afraid. Some of you might, yeah, amen, amen, amen. I'm going to wait just another minute. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, I want to surrender my life to Christ today. Okay, good, good. Praise God. So, you know, three or four of you are in good company this morning, and I want to pray with you. Uh, Let's pray together. Father, today, I want to thank you that is for all time and for all people and that your word is still active and working in our hearts today. And I want to pray for those this morning that lifted their hands and said, hey, I see him. I need to know him. This word, this uh, gospel has impacted my heart and I want to choose him as my Lord 
and Savior, I, I want to run toward the cross and lay down my life. Lord, we all do that today. We all repent of our sins. And I'm asking, Father, that you would in this moment continue to lead each of us to your cross today. To the good news of Christ. We surrender our lives to you. We admit that we are sinners in need of your grace and your undeserved kindness. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you give God praise for those who chose Christ this morning? Praise God. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.